Just uh, um, something else I need to add to that. Prayer, we are changing the prayer slightly. So um, for this weekend, we've got prayer from half five to six. Then, uh, what's next weekend? It's the last weekend of the month. So there's a barbecue. Oh, not a barbecue. That was on Friday. There's a bring and share lunch on Sunday. If you're around, Lisa and I and leave for two weeks, so we won't be here, but there is a bring and share lunch uh, here next Sunday. And then, um, uh, then from, for the month of August, we're not doing uh, an evening prayer meeting. We're going to be moving that to um, before the church meeting. So 10 o'clock, through the month of August, from 10 o'clock, we'll be meeting next door to pray before the meeting, and then we'll have the meeting. And then there's some changes we'll bring in in September as well. And then... Um, uh, that was... Yeah, also, there's no youth upstairs for the month of August on a Sunday. They'll be in the meeting, so just so you're aware of those things. Wonderful. I'm going to pray because my mind is all over all sorts of things, and uh, there is something else that I've forgotten, and I didn't write it down, and so let's pray. Father, I thank you that when we come to your word, you speak. Lord, this morning I ask that you would speak through me, but also speak to me as, as we look at your word. And uh, Father, we open our hearts to you, and we ask that you would come and minister. In Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. So, we've been looking over the last few weeks uh, at a number of different things. It started off with that, a picture of replanting. Remember that, when we looked at that a few weeks ago? Uh, and I get that not everybody's a gardener, so you don't get some of the analogies, but I also get that if I had to use hockey analogies, most of you don't play hockey, well, I think only one or two do, you probably wouldn't get those analogies either. So anyway, but uh, what happens with me is that, I mean, I study the Word and I, pr- uh, and, and I pray and God speaks, but also, often, God just speaks through other stuff that's going on. Stuff that I'm doing and, and during the day, God will just draw my attention to something. And so then I have to ask, I've learned to ask, God, what are you trying to say? Is there something more in this that you're wanting to teach me or show me um, in, in what's, what's happening? Is there something deeper that I need to learn? Uh, and, uh, uh, and what principles do you want, are you trying to show me? And, and often God then just starts revealing things to me. And that I, I don't believe in consequences, uh, co- coincidences. Consequences I do. Coincidences. <laughs> Very many cons. Oh, I don't know where my head is today. Oh, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that God is in authority and He does things. And, and I, we serve and walk with a God who longs to talk to us. And I think He's always wanting to talk to us. It's us that don't always hear what He's saying or don't even consider that He's trying to speak. And so, actually, if we would become more aware of God and the fact that He wants to communicate to us and is communicating to us, then I think we'd probably hear Him a lot more. Um, or was that just me? And, and, and God speaks through his word. He speaks through preaching. He speaks through others. He, but he also speaks directly to us. And so we need to open our hearts to see what God is saying. And Jesus, when we look at Jesus, Jesus, when he talked, he spoke from the scriptures. But he also spoke as he lived with his disciples and used analogies and pictures from, from life that he then brought another meaning because he's wanted to show them a meaning that was greater of, of spiritual significance. And then he also used um, uh, parables. And so for me, it, the way that God speaks to me isn't weird. It isn't um, abnormal. It's biblical as far as I can see. God speaks in those ways. And so this week was one of those weeks when I was praying and saying, God, what do you want us, what do you want me to preach? What do you want us to hear? What is it that we're needing to hear? Not that I didn't have a plan. I've always got a plan. But I'm equally very eager to hear that what I'm sensing is actually what God wants to say. And so this was one of those weeks where God, I think, spoke to me while I was busy doing something. And I'd been contacted by uh, someone who, a friend of ours who lives in Liverpool, and, and um, they'd asked for me to send, well, I offered because of the conversation, to send some seeds up to them. And so I was busy packaging these seeds from the garden, and, uh, and I just felt God do one of those things. It's actually, there's a little bit more here, James, than, than what you're doing. 
So I said, God, what are you trying to show me? What is it that you're trying to speak to me about? And um, I just felt that there's some things about sowing and seeds that God wants to speak to us. And kind of ties in with what we've been doing anyway. Uh, but I want to look at that this morning, about sowing seed and reaping. And there are two parts to that. There are probably subsections to each of those parts as well, but uh, I won't go for too long. But the, when we look at the, 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 the seeds, I think there are two elements that we need to look at. One is the seed that is the word of God that we will look at in a bit, which is like in the parable of the sower of the seed, the gospel that, that was preached. We'll look at that in a moment. But also our lives as, seed, as a seed. That actually, when you look at a seed, a seed has all the potential and the DNA. Now, I've checked this out with a biology teacher sister of mine, so... That my biology was right, because I did this ages ago at school, the last century. Um, Or like one of the hockey kids said, the 1900s, that is true. But a seed contains the potential wrapped up in the DNA of that plant for it to become something incredible. Everything is in that little seed. And that seed... I've I've yet to find one that looks like the end result. They don't. They look completely different. Now, you probably can't see from there, but there's a little round, flat, disc, brown, boring seed from my garden. And wrapped up in that little thing is this incredible potential of fruitfulness, of beauty of an expression of who God has created that plant to be, of life that reproduces. And the same is true for our lives. Our lives are the same. God has given and put into each one of you, and the same with me, everything that we need for life and godliness. But also, He has wrapped up in you this incredible potential for life, for fruitfulness, for beauty, for an expression of his majesty. And it might not look anything, probably doesn't look anything like that right now. But it's all in there. The same as that seed. You see, that little flat brown seed produces some of these things. Hollyhocks. Those are the top heads. The seed is tiny. I measured this week, our tallest hollyhock is 10 foot tall. From that small, if you don't believe me, you can come have a look. You don't even have to come to my garden. You can see it from the front. There's this incredible potential that is locked up in there. That God has in you for the things that he's called and created you to be and to do. It's all in there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul uses the analogy of a seed and he's speaking in the context of our lives that are uh, here, that are temporal, and the, the earthly body. He's just changed, stopping the noise. Don't be distracted. It's, he's talking about our earthly bodies and our heavenly bodies, that when we die, we are resurrected new with a heavenly body. He's using that context of a seed that he says must die in order that it becomes something else. And, and the fact that actually what we are and what we are going to be are completely different from each other. But they are, it's the same spirit, the same that we are still ourselves, but made new. And, and he speaks of that in that context. But the same is true for us when we are born again. I'm still James, and I was James before I got saved, and I'm James after I got saved, but there's a transformation. 
And there's even greater transformation that is to come. And it's the same thing. Technically, a seed does not die in order to germinate. If a seed, and this is the technical part that I had to double check, if a seed actually dies, it would never germinate because then everything in it is dead. It actually sits there dormant. What a seed does have to do is die to its current state in order to take on or germinate and become what it is created to be, the plant that reproduces. And the same is true for us. Either we can hold on to who we are and everything around us, the world around us, everything that we've experienced right now as we are, maybe because we feel secure in that, maybe because it's actually something that we're familiar with and we don't like change and actually um, I know what's going on and so I'm happy to deal with all the muck and the nonsense that goes on, but then we will never reach what we want, uh, what we created to be. In the same way, we might think, well, I'll just be me, I'm happy to be me. But you see, the thing is that if that seed doesn't die to its current state and allow that transformation to take place where the dormant DNA and richness that is in it then comes to life, it will never grow, it will never reproduce. And from the one seed, you won't get the hundreds and thousands of the fruitfulness. And so often we can live our lives not wanting to change and so we are dormant. We might not even realize that actually inside of you, whether you know God or not, there is this incredible richness that has been deposited by the creator of heaven and earth that is unlocked first and foremost when we get saved and come into relationship with him, but also when we are happy to let go of our current state and let stuff die and let stuff be left there in order to grow in him. That makes sense? You see, the seed, unless it... And if it holds on to that, I know your seeds can't hold on to things, but you know what I'm saying. It won't ever reach its fullness, and the same is true for us. Now, there are other things that happen. For a seed to germinate, it needs certain things. It needs, pretty much needs water. It needs, most need warmth. I know some need extreme cold, but then they need the warmth. It needs oxygen, and eventually it also needs light. And, and that's going far too technical in all the science stuff. So if you want that, you can either Google it or Yvonne it. Go and ask Yvonne, she'll tell you. But there are certain conditions that are there that are triggers for that germination process. And I think the exact same is true for us. There are things that are triggers that are situations, that are things that are going on around us that actually we can view as, well, that just makes me want to stay as I am. Or we can say, actually, God, what are you doing? Is there something in this that is a trigger for me to become who you want me to be? Even the difficult things. You know the scripture that says God works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes? You see, if we have this mindset that um, uh, if there are horrible things that go on, then life is difficult and I must be doing something wrong, and that could be the case. But if we are totally oblivious as to what goes on around us uh, in our walk with God and, say, and don't ask the questions, God, what is going on? What are you trying to reveal to me? Who, what are you trying to show me? What is it that I need to let go of? That environment around us just become something that is non-affecting, not affecting us. You see, when we looked at the other week, when we looked at the fact that God is the gardener, if you look in John chapter 15, where he speaks about the vine and the branches, and the gardener is God, and the vine is Jesus, and we are the branches that are grafted in, and the gardener is the one who cuts and prunes so that there's fruitfulness. In the same way, God is the gardener who knows you and has created everything that is dormant inside of you, waiting for him to come by a spirit, or for us to 
probably more correctly, for us to surrender to what he's doing so that he, we can then grow into who he's called us to be. He is the, also the, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the sovereign God who determines the exact time and place you would live, determines what goes on, and actually he knows the situations around you. And if we ask him and see and recognize that, then we can say, we can see that God, whether he allows it, doesn't allow it, or if it happens, or, we won't get into that whole discussion. But what I do know is he, the perfect God, and the creator of heaven and earth, the situations around you are triggers for our walk with him if we would open our eyes and listen and see and ask the questions and search for him. Yeah. See, the word says that when we search for him with all our heart, we will find him. And there might be situations that have gone on and you think, actually, this can't be good. Because it's causing pain, it's causing hurt, it's causing all these things. But actually, if we see God, what is it that you want to speak to us about? Even through those things, God can then reveal himself. And there are other things that might happen that you think, oh, this is absolutely wonderful. It must be of God. In actual fact, it might not be. Because it could lead to something that distracts you. You see, when we view it from our position rather than his position, it doesn't always make sense. Or we view it with, through our lens and think, well, this is a good thing, that's a bad thing, when in, actually God's economy, the economy, the good thing to us is actually a distraction that pulls us away. And the bad things that happen actually if we respond to him rather than the situation can actually turn our lives around as we pursue him and he reveals more of who he is and therefore more of who we are. Yeah. I'm not saying that God does bad things because he doesn't. He's a good God, like we sang this morning. But even those situations, if we live with this understanding that he has our good at heart, and wants to show us who he is and reveal to us everything that he's locked up inside of us, then even those situations can be those things that are catalysts to something more of him. And then what is one becomes fruitful in many. You see, these plants, each one of these little things, then becomes a flower, that then becomes a seed pod, which has, I haven't counted them and I'm not going to. You're welcome to come and pick one and count one one day, but... There are hundreds of seeds that come from one plant. When that one plant decides, I'm going to let go of what is in order to take hold of what he has for me. And it's the same is true for you and I. When we let go of everything that we hold on for our own protection or our identity or anything else and say, God, I'm not letting go. I'm, uh, uh, but if we, hold, if we let go of that stuff and say, God, come and have your way then the fruitfulness, the beauty, the incredible richness of what he has gifted and placed in you is then multiplied around the world. All because we choose to die to ourselves and live for him. But first, we have to recognize. First, we have to recognize that actually in you, God has placed all the richness of that potential in you. You might not feel like it. You might have said, had people tell you all sorts of things that say that you're not, you can't, you're no good. That's not true. It's like me saying to this little brown about this, that this is rubbish. This can't do anything. If I didn't know that, I would think this was nonsense. And so often we don't ever see that in our lives. We look at our lives and others look at our lives and they might look like this, just flat and dull and a bit boring. Or a bit messed up. Confused, abused, whatever it is. Yet inside, inside you, God has placed everything for fruitfulness, for life, for beauty, for uh, 
this incredible capacity for life. First, we need to recognize that. And this morning, I think some of you need to believe that. Because the world says so much against it. But we know that the same God that created all of that in just a seed for a flower that is here today and gone tomorrow is far more interested in your life and is locked up in you far more than every little bit of potential that is in that thing. That's what scripture says to us. Look at the flowers of the field. They're here today, gone tomorrow, but you're more important. Look at the sparrows of the air. They're here, uh, yet, and not one of those dies without God knowing how much more important to you. Recognize it and believe it. The, other th- the next thing that we need to recognize is what are the things that are holding me back? What are the things that I'm holding on to and not letting go that are keeping my life dormant rather than full of life and fruitful with a purpose and a hope and a future? Now, if you're not saved, then that actually is something to do with your relationship with God. But even those who are believers, there are some things that sometimes we hold on to that stop us growing in Him. And that can be as varied as there are people in this room. So you need to ask God, God, show me what it is that is stopping me from becoming all that you have for me. What is it that I need to let go of? What is it that needs to die in order for your life to flow through me? And then once we recognize that, we need to be willing to let it die. That could be sin, it could be Habits, it could be ways of thinking, it might not be sin, it might just be something of that's how you've perceived things because of other people or anything else. And, or it might just be relationships. There might be some relationships that actually are holding you back from what God has for you to do or who you to be. Take whatever that is and line it up with Scripture. Because if it contradicts Scripture, you're not hearing God. Just in case someone did something foolish and blamed me. But we need to ask God for him to show us what it is that's keeping us dormant rather than experiencing the life that he has for us. And then the third is to respond and embrace what he's doing around you and say, God, let this be transformative in my life, that I become who you are. What are the things that are the equivalent of the water and the warmth and the, and the light and the oxygen? What is it that? And again, that could be people that are, are those could be triggers. It could be work situations. It could be uh, stuff that's going on. If we view it from God's perspective, not ours. So we need to recognize what's in us, recognize what we need to let go of and then embrace what God is doing in and around us, corporately but also individually in order to become all that he has for us. Even those painful, difficult things. Say, God, show me how I am to walk through this rather than run from it. What is in you? Do you know what is in you? Do you know what God has called you to? Do you know what the potential is that is there? If you don't, ask him to show you so you have a picture of what it is to come. When we are able to take into account that God is the one who is sovereign and in control of everything and his heart is for you, then we can embrace those things that he wants us to let go of in order to walk into the fullness of what he's called us to. The second, that's the one aspect of our lives being the seed. The second is the truth of God's word being the seed. And that's the parable of the sower that we read in Matthew 13, Mark 4 and um, Luke 8. 
where it speaks about the sower that goes out and, th- and sows the seed and some falls on hard soil, some falls on ro- uh, uh, rocky soil, some falls on fertile soil and some fo- falls on soil that is all mixed up with weeds and everything else. And those describe different uh, aspects of people's hearts. You see, in, in that situation, the seed is the truth of God's word and the soil reflects our lives. So either our lives, are, we are hardened to God. When the truth of who God is and the word of God comes to our lives and we are hardened our hearts, then it's like water for ducks back. We don't even listen. It just doesn't take root because we have closed ourselves to God. If that is you, I would encourage you to open yourself to God. The other is where that, that soil is so full of, of other things like weeds and other stuff that choke the word of God. And those are cares of the world or other things that we chase after that distract us from who he is and what the truth is. And the fertile soil is one where our hearts are ready and hungry and God, we're searching after you. And as his word is spoken, as the truth of who he is, what we read in scripture, or what we hear about him, that his truth comes, it sets a seed that then germinates and brings fruitfulness and a harvest. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9 and 11, 11 says that his word does not return to him without accomplishing everything for which it is purposed. In other words, God's word is fruitful and has an impact when our hearts are open to receive from him. See, our responsibility in this picture is the condition of our heart, the soil, where the truth of God comes. And so in that way, we need to be teachable, humble, forgiving, and open to everything that he has to say. How do you respond to God's word? Do you believe it with faith, put it into practice? Or it is something that you dismiss or discard or, or, or just ignore? If we're serious about discovering who God is, our hearts need to be open and ready to receive the truth that he shows. And that means that we surrender our hearts to him, surrender our lives to him. And even if you're on the journey of finding that out, don't harden your heart. Have your heart that's open. Say, God, show me. Show me who you are. And as he does, then we believe in faith and we see the fruitfulness of that come through. So that's to do with seeds. The second principle that is the one we're going to end off on is that of sowing. You can open it if it's noisy. Is that of sowing. So one is the seed, the other is of sowing. Those are the two things I felt God want to speak to us today about. One is the potential that is in the seed and everything I've spoken of. The second is the principle of sowing. Sowing and reaping. You see, those seeds that I sent to the person in Liverpool were of th- three different seed groups that I sent. And they're all flowers. There's no ways, no matter what that person in Liverpool does, that those seeds are ever going to produce anything except one of those three flowers. It's not going to produce a fruit tree. It's not going to produce an oak tree. It will produce one of those three flowers. Why? Because that is what is in the seed. We reproduce after ourselves. You can't plant A and expect B to pop up. It's not going to happen. In the same way, where we reap, we will sow. Where we sow, we will reap. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says that God cannot be mocked. As a man sows, so he reaps. And when we look at our lives, 
we need to realize that where we sow has a direct impact on what we reap. Now there is, let me just put this in the side, there is the truth that not everything that you reap is based on that because we live in a fallen, broken world where stuff happens. And we even see in Scripture where the disciples couldn't, the, the, this one person that they prayed for, they said, who was it sin? His father, his parents, or what? And he said, no, this is for God's glory. There was a different reason behind it. And so sowing and reaping isn't an issue of what the world would call karma. Karma is not biblical. It's not godly. And actually, if you believe all of that, then really you don't even see the full potential, the, the fullness of God's grace and God's mercy. Because if, when we look at God's grace and mercy, we understand that we don't deserve our salvation. We don't deserve God's love and forgiveness because of who we are and what we've done. And so no ma- in, in that respect, no matter how we had sown and how, what we had done, when we reap the gift of salvation, it's not based on what we've sown, it's based on what Jesus has done. So that's a different situation as well. Actually, there's God's grace and God's mercy is far above anything else. And Scripture also says those who sow in tears will reap with joy. So those are different situations. So I just want to be clear that actually this isn't just everything you sow you will reap. Because then we don't see the breadth of all of those things. But overriding principle, it is a biblical principle. It's a biblical principle that we see time and time again. Scripture says if you sow generously, you will reap generously. If you sow stingily, you, you reap little. It's a biblical principle that we see outworked even in the lives of people who are not saved. We see incredible generosity from people who are not godly at all. They even believe in God, yet they seem to always get again because it's that principle of God. But what I wanted to highlight today was actually the fact that we need to be wise with where we sow because God says he will not be mocked. Where you sow, that's where you'll reap. And so when we understand that principle as well, then we need to be wise with what we sow our lives, so in our lives and where we sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 to 11. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will receive eternal life. Uh, eternal life. Then he goes on to say, let us not become weary of doing good. For, the proper time we, uh, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we ha- as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins on his body, on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. In other words, we don't sow in sin, we sow in righteousness. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, Sow righteousness for yourself and reap the fruit of unfailing love. James chapter 3 verse 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. Job chapter 4 verse 8 says, Those who plow evil and sow trouble reap it. 2 Corinthians 9 6, If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. Where we sow is where we will reap. What do you give yourself to? What are you allowing to be sown into your life? But what do you give yourself to? What do you, how do you behave? How do, you see, if, if, if I sow fear, if I'm always worried about something, I'm going to be anxious. There's a product of that. If I'm always angry, 
How can I expect anybody to be anything but angry to me? Now you could say, well, that's consequences, but it's also reaping and sowing. If I, if I do things that are illegal, how can I expect God's blessing? You see, where we sow, they will reap. And the sowing is our lifestyle, what we say, what we do, how we think. If I constantly gossip, I need to just be happy that everybody's going to gossip about me. Not true? Because God won't be mocked. If I sow into the sinful life, in other words, if I sow according to the flesh and live out everything that I, <clears throat> I desire rather than living godliness, then that's where I'm going to reap destruction. If you want to live a godly life, if you want to receive from God what he has truly given you, of who you are and who he's created you to be, then sow in righteousness. And we can do that because we have the authority and the ability because we are saved and we are in Christ Jesus and we can overcome. And he says, sow there. Because where you sow is where you will reap. What are we sowing into people's lives that are around us? Because that is what we will reap. If we are generous, God will bless us. It's not a name it, claim it thing. It's the truth of God's word. That what you give yourself to, where you sow, what you, uh, the, that's where you will reap. The other, the other way of looking at it is what you feed will grow. In other words... If I'm constantly doing the same thing, I can't expect that that won't produce something in my life. If you want something to stop, stop feeding it. If you don't want something to grow, don't sow those seeds. It's simple. If I don't want those plants in my garden, first I have to dig up all the millions that are there, but I will never sow another one of those seeds. Because I don't want it there. But if I constantly sow that, I can complain to everybody, these jolly hollyhocks are still growing because I'm sowing them every season. And how often can we face things in our lives and we think, why is this still happening? Why am I still facing all these things? And then we look over our shoulder and think, well, actually I'm sowing. So there's no wonder it's still happening because that's what you're still doing. Makes sense. With our words, our actions, our attitudes... We looked last week at the scripture that says, by your fruit you will know them. And so look at your life and say, God, what is it that I've sown that produces this? Now again, remember what I said, that there are some things that just happen because we live in a fallen world. That's why in every situation it is wise that we always go to God and say, God, what I'm facing at the moment, is that because I have sown something and it's a consequence or I'm reaping where I've sown, or is it just something else? And there will be times where it is just something else. And then God gives us the grace to walk through those times. But where he points out, actually it's because you've done this or this, you've sown that and you're reaping that. Then we choose to change. And we stop that behavior. We stop that way of thinking. We stop doing and saying and being those things in order to bring about the change. In submission to him and allowing him to work through us. We become generous, we become loving, we become kind, we sow in righteousness, we see what God has called us to be and do, and we start doing those things. Then we will reap the harvest for that. The same is true if, with regard to preaching the gospel. If we can have prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting, praying for those who do not know Jesus to come to know Jesus, and God in his sovereign mercy and grace will get them saved, but we also have a responsibility. 
which is to go and sow the seed and tell people about Jesus. You might have a neighbour that you don't even talk to or won't, or you do, but you won't talk about Jesus. You won't talk about who God is. And the word says that we need to give a, be ready to give a, a, an account for that, uh, the hope that we have whenever. And you could be praying for your neighbour for decades. And think, why are they not saved? Can I ask a question? Have you ever told them the gospel? Because maybe, just maybe, God has put you as their neighbor because he wants to use you to reach them. And if you haven't sown the seed, you're not going to see the harvest. And the amazing thing is we harvest where we haven't sown seed because someone else has done that. But we can't use that as an excuse. If we don't tell people that about Jesus, how are they going to know? Scripture says that. So think of your neighbours as a starting point. <coughs> and those that God has in our lives. But think of our lives. If we want the fruitfulness and the harvest that reflects God and his kingdom, then that's what we need to sow. That's how we need to think. That's how we need to behave. That's how we need to live. Otherwise, we are foolish to think that we will reap anything else. So the things this morning. Remember this little seed. If you want, you can come take one to remind you or plant it. I really don't mind. I've got hundreds. Remember that. You have in you all the potential that God has created in you to live fruitful, life-filled, beautiful, creative, godly, incredible life to impact loads of people that you probably don't even know. Start recognizing that God has a plan that is far bigger than what you currently see. And be willing to let go of or die to your current state in order to become that which he's called you to be. And that, I understand, takes faith. It also takes guts. Because it can be a very scary place to be. If I let go of everything that I know, to become who he's created me to be. The only way we can do this is when we walk with Jesus. Because if you're not walking with Jesus and you let go of all you, you were or are, you're in trouble. That's why self-help doesn't work. It's when we let go of that and entrust ourselves to the creator that we are made you live in the fullness. So recognize that. See what you need to let go of. Embrace what God's doing and trust Him. Make sure that the soil of your heart is ready to receive the truth of His word. And then as you sow, you will reap. So choose to sow wisely. Choose to sow in righteousness and in the Spirit because that's where you want to, if you're a believer, that's where you want to receive and reap from, not from the other. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that there's such a richness in your word that sometimes is explained through simple things of the world around us. And this morning, I pray that as we've looked at that, that, you would, that our hearts would respond to the truth that you would have us understand. Lord, I pray for those who are searching after you, that, that they would find you when, as they would surrender their lives and say, God, just show me who you are. I, I need to see this. Lord, those who are holding on to things of where they're at now, Knowing what you've called them to, Lord, I pray that you give them the, the boldness and the courage to let go of that. 
But God, in all of these situations, that we would put our faith and our trust in you and live in such a way that reflects you and that there would be an explosion of fruitfulness and life that comes as we let go of the things that held us and where we are and embrace what you have for us and what you're calling us to, individually, corporately, but that you would be glorified and honored and that we would see an incredible life that you pour through us. Lord, help us to sow in righteousness and in the Spirit that those things that are not of you will die away and be no more. God, come and have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful, thank you so much. I hope that was helpful. If you would like someone to pray with you or, or speak with you before you go, please find someone who's part of the church. There's tea and coffee and water and I think there are one or two snacks left over from Friday through there. You're welcome to join us. If your children are through, you need to go and fetch them because they, uh, they won't come through to you. You need to go and get them there. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Prayer meeting, half five to six. And if we don't see you at prayer meeting, we'll see you in a few weeks' time. Thank you.